Let Him Go Barefoot is a podcast that dives into all things parenting and education through the lens of mindful awareness. Conversations aim to bring forward patterns, beliefs, and attitudes that shape our expectations and ideas about what it means to raise healthy children. With the blend of science, ancient wisdom, and intuition, we will explore ways to support, nurture, and connect with our growing children while also nurturing and expanding ourselves. I am grateful you are here. Hey everybody, it is April the 22nd, 2022 as I record this introduction. It's another gorgeous spring day where I live, but it also happens to be Earth Day. And while this conversation is not dedicated to conservation or the great outdoors, it is a conversation about a different kind of preservation and nature which is the safeguarding of childhood and protecting our children's sense of wonder and love of learning. Sue Patterson likely needs no introduction because she has been involved in the homeschooling and unschooling community for over two decades. With three grown children and one grandchild, she sits in that wonderful space of reflection and can offer us her unique perspective and insight. Sue is candid about the fears she had, including worrying about what other people would think. I so enjoyed talking to Sue and taking in her wisdom and her humor. I have a feeling you will too. Here is my conversation with Sue Patterson of Unschooling Mom to Mom. I'm Sue Patterson and I'm really excited to be here to talk with you today about unschooling and our experiences that we had while my three kids were growing up and we chose this unconventional path. And my kids now are... 33, 31, and 28. And so one of the things that is really cool about where I sit now on this continuum is that I can look back at where I had hesitations, where I had worries, and see that they didn't pan out. And so what I can come and bring you is some confidence. I can tell you with 100% confidence that unschooling works and that all of those fears that you have um, might need to be worked through a little bit, but you don't have to drag the kids into it, into your fear, you know? And so I want, that's what I've built an entire coaching business on is helping families see how to get past their fear so they can embrace unschooling and have the life they're meant to have. So I have, I do one-to-one coaching. I have all things unschooling mom to mom. So I have a website and a podcast and a YouTube channel and a Facebook group and Instagram. So if you're looking for me, you can find me at unschooling mom to mom in whatever social platform you're looking for. But my whole goal, it's like I'm on a mission to help people figure out how they don't have to duplicate school. They can do this because we are hardwired to learn and we will be able to bring our kids into the world, have the experiences they need to have for their unique path. So I'm super excited to be here and I'm eager to answer your questions. Thank you, Sue. I d- there's so much that you've already said that I, I want to parse out, what, specifically the idea that, you know, it's your mission to help people connect to what is work, what works for them. And mm-hmm. I recently was updating my site because 
I have a blog and that was kind of my original way of sort of starting into this world was just all the thoughts I had in my head. I just needed a place for them to go. But then it became a little bit dusty and a little, little off to the side, had some cobwebs on it. I was like, (laughs) I think my site needs a little attention. Um, So I just recently updated it to say, you know, that my mission was to help connect families, letting go of the school idea but, but focus more on education and also mm-hmm. to go from powering over to empowering their kids. Yeah. Because I do feel like once you start down this path of unschooling and seeing mm-hmm. school from a very different lens, mm-hmm. it, it immediately connects to how you relate to your children and what parenting mm-hmm. paradigm you are in and what you want to continue doing or not doing. And so I've, I've, of course, with your children being older and now that you have this option, this wonderful view of being able to look back on your life and go over mm-hmm. specific things that you did or didn't do, um, I, would, I would love to go a little bit more into that if that's okay. We can sure. even just kind of sure. talk about your journey. Like how did unschooling find you or you find it and mm-hmm. where, where did that all start? And, you know, just kind of like I'd love to just walk down that road yeah. with you. A little memory lane. Yes. <laughs> well, it was the nineties, mm. and um, I had I had three kids, and um, and we were doing daycare and um, preschool, and we were a military family, so we lived on a base. And um, my son went off to kindergarten. And I remember when we first got to kindergarten and they gave this big list of all the things he was going to do there. And, um, and he could already do them. Mm. He could count to a hundred. He could, you know, he had that oldest child thing. It wasn't that he was super brilliant. Love you, Michael. But it, <laughs> it, um, he, he, he was just curious and I was like all in, you know? And so he could read early and so he already could do all these things. And I said, what, what are you going to do with him if, he can do this list. Mm. Oh, we'll just reinforce. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it wasn't long before he's bringing that red folder home that Michael's dueling with pencils in the back <laughs> of the room with somebody else. And, you know, one thing after another. And they're like, we would love to test him for being gifted, but um, he won't sit still. Mm. I'm like, oh, yeah, he doesn't really like to do that. And this was how old? <laughs> like three, four? He, he was six. Oh, six. So okay. he was in five, five. He was okay. in kindergarten. Oh, that's right. You said so kindergarten. He, okay. He had also, he had had, I remember <laughs> preschool teachers having little cryptic things to say to me, mm. like, it's going to be interesting. Mm. You're like, what does that mean? All right. You know, I'm a real people person. So I pick up on those little cryptic things yes. people say. And, um, and so, at the time, I had, you know, Katie, my middle child, had a bunch of um, learning, well, auditory processing problems. And so we were really immersed in that. It was really frustrating. She had a hard time understanding language or speaking. And and so we were dealing with all that kind of neurodivergent stuff. And then I had this baby. And so I'm like, okay, we're just going to wing it. He'll be all right. He'll be all right. We all do this. I didn't, I had only met one other homeschooling family in our whole life and they were kind of weird and they made us, <laughs> they made us have, you know, let's have snacks. They never let us come in their house. And I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> and that was my one exposure to it. And I'm, so I never really gave it another thought. Mm-hmm. And so kindergarten happened and um, then he moved to first grade 
and he started to not like learning this kid that had really like loved learning and um so i was doing a yoga class with somebody who said who had these um grown homeschooled kids and i'm like tell me more about this because i had peeked my head in the kitchen and her kids were like pushing soap bubbles into each other's faces while they were doing dishes doing normal kid stuff and i'm like oh maybe it's not just for weirdos (laughs) and she's like no it's not and it was interesting because they were a religious family and they were homeschooling for religious reasons and And she said, oh, you know, all kinds of people are starting to homeschool now. It was probably 1995. And I thought, yeah, I'm probably exactly who you're afraid of, but I'm going to pick (laughs) your brain. (laughs) And so I didn't, you know, I didn't say that's not our motivation. And um, so she told me more about it. and, And back then there wasn't really the Internet very well. I mean, you certainly didn't find you had to collect catalogs. And so I'm collecting all these catalogs. I'm like what can I find that is, at the time it was a lot of religious materials. And I'm like, what is some kind of secular, although I didn't know that word, um, material? It wasn't, I mean, we were Episcopalian, but we weren't, we weren't doing this for religious reasons. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, there's gotta be a math where you're not counting shepherds, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? And so I found, so, so, I mean, I don't know if you mean this to be so long. Mm-mm, so um, first, so first grade's happening. He's getting more and more bummed about it. I'm looking at these big third graders and thinking, wow, they're little zombies walking around in here. Then the school did a, um, was re- renovating their um, playground. So he had to play quietly between the buildings for recess. Oh, wow. That wasn't going well for a kid that really needed to run around the buildings a couple of times. And so they said, I, they did get him into the gifted program, which of course happened during PE. Oh, geez. <laughs> and so you're like, somebody is not having like a big picture look at this. And it's like um, they don't even understand how children develop. Exactly. And I've always thought that, that like they have some really great educational research out there and they're Mm -hmm. not following it. Mm -hmm. And so um, I started talking more to that lady who homeschooled her kids and I decided, okay, that's it. We're about to move from San Antonio to Alaska. No one will know what we're doing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We'll just do it. (laughs) And, um, And then I'm like, Michael, don't tell anyone. Oh, yeah. The next day, the teacher says, can I talk to you? I'm like, oh, that cat in his mouth. And, <laughs> and um, because he's going to like his mom. And, um, and she said, so Michael says that you're going to homeschool next year. And I had all those feelings of kind of embarrassment and who do I think I am to do this? And all the, all the things that people come to me and say, Oh, oh," you know, and I'm like, Oh, I get it. I know what you're feeling. Right. And, um, I said, well, we're going to try it. You know, I think we'll try it with the move coming and we'll just make this shift. And she said, can I just tell you how excited I am for you? (gasps) Oh, wow. She said, my little sisters were homeschooled. Like you're kidding. She said, and I'm going to tell you a story that's going to really reassure you. I'm like, okay. And she said, we were talking about um, the solar system. And so this is first grade. And um, Michael said, what about the moons around Jupiter? And what are they called? And he was asking some things about it. And um, 
Oh, Michael, that's in fourth grade. And she said, and I watched his little eyes kind of calculate how far away fourth grade was Mm. from where he was right now. And she said, and his little shoulders slumped. And I was sad, but I just didn't have time in the agenda to get into it. And I don't even know if I know about the moons around Jupiter. Mm. I know the first grade level. And um, she said, so now... Michael can learn all about the solar system. You can you can spend as much time as you want on that. I love that for him. And we did, in fact, decorate his whole room in the solar system. That's amazing. Then that was kind of the, the jumping off place. And mm-hmm. so they gave me, you know, we were about to move. It was the end of the school year. They gave me the sealed envelope of his school records that said, do not open. Okay. Uh, why? Why not? <laughs> because it's from school to school. Oh. I wasn't supposed to open that. Okay. So, of course, I dig right in. I'm like, what the heck are they talking about? And, you know. And, you, you paid for those records, right? That's, pro- right? that's public this school money. my kid. You guys don't get to be whispering about my no, kid. not at all. And um, and how dare you? But I had remembered there had been a, um, something that had happened during first grade that he was doing this word list. And I said, well, what if you think of it like this? And I was kind of helping him kind of understand some rhyming aspect of it. And he said, oh, the teacher said that your parents might try to show you other ways, but don't listen to them. Really? (gasps) Yeah. And And this was in when? 1990? 95. Wow. Okay. I thought, oh. Oh, don't you do that. You know, and so I thought, yeah, that's as I recall, you know, mm-hmm. just that that schools wanted to be in charge. Yeah. And anybody else that's going to try to jockey for that in charge position, they're going to do all they can to knock that down. Yeah. And um, I'm like, well, not on my watch. So we went to Alaska and we got... <laughs> This is the funny. We ordered Calvert. School in a box is their tagline. Okay. <laughs> and um, and uh, but it was what I thought was okay. And um, you know, it it, it wasn't flat Earth. It wasn't you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're 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 all right. And um, and because I didn't trust myself, I I paid for the teacher thing too, so yeah. that I would have teacher oversight because I needed accountability. And I didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so here we are in Alaska and um, he's and he's being told in his little writing section, he liked the reading books and we did those and they were a little flat and dry, but okay, we still could go to the library. And um, he, they wanted him to write about a little, they had a picture of a little red convertible and there are no little red convertibles in Alaska. I can only <laughs> imagine. And I said, you know what? We had an earthquake and a baby moose came up to the window and nuzzled where his <gasps> hand was. And he wants to write about that. Oh, wow. And he said, oh, but the letters don't connect correctly. Mm. And I was like, so here I'm trying to make him write about the red car mm-hmm. and um, he's crying and I'm mad. And I'm like, it's just three letters. Just write, 
you know, I'm, I'm trying, and I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> this is exactly only now I'm front row seat. I'm the warden of this place. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing that. And I'm not going to create, you know, I was already a writer. I'm not going to create a kid that hates writing. Right. And so we had a little ceremonial breaking of the pencils. We will not write for that woman in Baltimore. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and so that was the start of our kind of, I think we're going to do this differently. We had met some people there that were um, eclectic, a lot of eclectic people and, um, and a lot of unschooling, curious people. Mm. And so we kept sharing information and um, there was a support group <clears throat> that was, um, um, they, I don't know if they still call them this, but back then we called them statement of faith groups okay. where you had to sign a thing that said you believed a certain religious platform to be part of their group. Hmm. And I thought, all right, I'll just sign it and see if I can find anybody else that's kind of on the fringe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I did that. You know, it was a group that only the men could be in charge. Um, there were no women in the leadership roles of their very tightly set up group. And... <clears throat> You know, it was obviously not a good fit for me, but, <laughs> but it's a learning um, experience nonetheless. Oh my right? God, <laughs> it sure was. And so I met this woman. I'm, I met a lot of really interesting people there, including like preacher's wives who said, I won't sign that statement of faith. That's a tool to exclude people. Oh, wow. That is contrary to what we are about. I'm like, you go girl. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is great. And so, and it was interesting because the Hegners, I don't know if you know who they were, Helen and Mark Hegner mm -mm. were the publishers of Home Education Magazine, Okay, which was the second, I mean, there was Growing Without Schooling and Home Education Magazine, and they were the only two magazines that were out about home education that didn't come from a religious perspective. We had Mary Pride stuff, we had the teaching home, we had all these things that were Christian homeschooling um, magazines. And so Helen and Mark lived not very far from me. And so because I'm an organizer, I'm like, let's do a mom's night out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> let's try to share information. Let's do group activities. Let's go to the nature center. And so I started setting up things like that. And next thing you know, Helen's like, I think we should meet. Yeah. <laughs> and so she came to our mom's night out and she talked a lot about unschooling and I'm like this just makes so much sense right you know and the word itself seemed kind of in your face I'm like well why'd you pick that word because I didn't pick it mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. and um at the time because I was still really indoctrinated in the typical traditional way of schooling and I had put my middle child into half day kindergarten because I thought I can't do both at once I can only focus on Michael while we figure this out. And, oh, I forgot to tell you that when he was in school, they said for second grade, he'll need ADD medicine. Oh, gosh. And I'm like, eh. that was like my straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. We're not medicating him for your convenience. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, um, and, now, and then it was like, no wonder those kids look like zombies. Right. But, all right. So Katie did her kindergarten stint reluctantly. So she had these processing problems. And um, so I'll never, you know, and I share this story because we all have 
moments where we are not necessarily the mom we wish we were, you know? And I don't want people to think, well, I'm not cut out for it because I'm not as whatever people assume other people are. And so the the kindergarten teacher, they did this in the 90s. They did this force hugging as they come down the sidewalk before they get into your car. And the teacher would hug the child. And then they get in your car. And it would be one after another. And it came to Katie's turn. And she said, maybe tomorrow you'll like me better, Miss Bounds. Oh, and I should, and I, I, you know, I'm like, what is that about? And she's like, oh, Katie, I love you. It's fine. All is fine. All is well. I'm like, what made my kid say that? Mm-hmm. But I didn't say that. And she still had two more weeks and heaven knows we didn't want to be kindergarten dropouts. <laughs> so, so we finished those two weeks, even though in my heart of hearts, I had like this lead weight in my chest sending my kid there. But I thought it was what we had to do. And and then after kindergarten, we were done. Mm-hmm. And um, so so the, the short version is we were regular suburban schools, the way to go. Even though I had had kind of a I don't really like school feeling from my own background. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is, it just needs to be done right. I'll help them. I'll volunteer in class. I'll do all these things. So it's that kind of suburban mom, soccer mom, all of that. And, um, and then we decided school wasn't good enough mm-hmm. that we could at least do second grade and first grade. And, and then we'll see how it goes. Yeah. And as we learned more, we just didn't look back right and we're like no this is too fun to walk away from why would we do this michael was like mom they took away one of our field trips so we only had one last year we can have field trips any day we want absolutely i know (laughs) i know isn't that great life is a field trip like we don't need to schedule little tiny moments yeah Right. So, so that's my story. <laughs> wow. And so you made so he like, your oldest well, that was an hour and a half later. <laughs> no, it's not. So your oldest made it to second grade or first grade and then your youngest first was grade. in kindergarten and then your first grade my middle finished kindergarten, kindergarten and your youngest never and my went. My youngest did well she she did because my mom was like well, Alyssa's not like Katie. Alyssa would love preschool. The neighbors are going. And I talked to them. We lived on a base. And mm-hmm. I talked to the neighbors and she could ride with them to the preschool and I'll pay for the preschool. And that's where you can focus on Katie and Michael. And she'd like to go. I talked to her about it already. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, talk about overstepping. So I let her go to preschool. She did. I mean, it was a play-based preschool. It was fine. Right. And, um, but that was all we were going to do. And, um, and so she did do that. And then later, because she was the youngest and there were a couple of things she wanted to do, she did go to high school for a year and a half Mm -hmm. and she, she wanted that experience. She wanted to be on the drill team at halftime. She wanted to know people in the neighborhood that didn't live all the way across town, right? Because that's one of the things about the community is it's kind of spread out. And, um, and so she had that experience and left after a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Well, and <laughs> like I think that that was not the Lizzie McGuire movie I had thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that speaks to the reality for so many families that if we were able to have the option to flow into different spaces that speak to 
our individual children and maybe even where our family is in the, at that point in time that mm-hmm. we might pick and choose a little school right. every so often, maybe right. some preschool, then some homeschool, mm-hmm. that it doesn't have to be an all or nothing. And that well, people... it's too bad it's not set up like a library or right. a community college where yes. you could say, I think I want to take that photography class. Absolutely. I think I wanna, you know, and, and have it be just interest-based. It's just, it, you know... Well, that's my goal. That's my dream. I would say I've, I've thought about this for many, many years about how I would love for schools to turn into community centers oh, I know. and allow <laughs> the people who are, you know, just let, let there be places that you can tap in and out of utilize as you need for what you need mm-hmm. and then you're good. Right. So, well, you know, there's so much that you said <laughs> to, to pull it together as mm-hmm. far as like you expressed that you had some internal dialogue that right. felt uncomfortable about what was what yeah. was going on with your children. Yeah. And yet you continued to ignore it because mm-hmm. that's what you do. You know, you, we, we, a system has been created. A framework has been put into place. There's so many people who've done it before you. Who are you to challenge this? Right. Like, why would you even think to challenge this? Aren't you putting your kids at a disadvantage? Are you possibly creating ruining a situation their lives yeah possibly, yeah that you're possibly ruining their lives ruining mm-hmm. their chances for success yes yes so that speaks to that big big thought that does float around quite quite often and then the second thing is the community aspect how important it is to find other people right who are interested and curious and asking those questions because it does create that situation where you feel heard and seen and supported. And so as homeschoolers have continued to increase in numbers throughout the last decade, mm-hmm. um, that community piece is so vital. Right. And I that's why I believe social media has done what it has done in such a positive way is it's allowed people to connect across a world. It does not answer that one issue where you you brought up about your daughter wanting to have friends a little bit closer, the physical right. friendship versus the virtual friendship. So how did that eventually evolve for you and your family to create that community? Now that you're now a hundred percent, you're in homeschooling, uh-huh. you know, what, what did that look like for you all? Um, so I'm kind of a, um, people gatherer. That's what I do. <laughs> you're an organizer. I'm an organizer. Yeah. And so I was setting up field trips and fun activities for kids to do um, from the get-go. I, I, you know, they had an ice skating group. We joined it. And then somebody else had something else going on. We did that too. And then I, t- I talked to parents, would you guys be interested in the nature center, you know, going on a hike once a month or something? And they're like, yeah. They just didn't want to set it up. So mm-hmm. I like went to the nature center and said, you know, this class you do on Saturdays for the kids, could you, would you like like a test run and do it on Fridays for homeschoolers? And she's like, well, I don't really need a test run. I've been doing it for 30 years. I'm like, oh, well, how about, what could I do to make this work? And she goes, well, could you get me some family memberships? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yes. How about if they paid three bucks a kid and, um, but they bought a family membership? And that they could, and she says, I would do that for you for that. I'm like, excellent. So then that's, we started doing those kinds of things. So we had like every Friday there was something. One of the things I discovered real quickly that 
the homeschooled crowd, you know, not unschooled, but doing lessons and stuff. Cause there were people in that wanted field trips, but didn't want to be unschoolers. Mm-hmm. And, um, they would use it as like a carrot on a stick. You can go to Sue's thing on Friday oh. if you finish oh. your work. So I'm like, fine, mm-hmm. use me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just want your kids there for my mm-hmm. kids. <laughs> I don't really care about the rest. And so we had like the nature center one day a week, one, yeah, one Friday. We went to a museum class on another Friday. We did a big park day on another Friday. We had something every Friday. And, um, and back then we were handing out paper flyers to let people know. And so we were doing that mom's night out. I'm like, let's get together with other moms on, you know, whatever. And so we did this little coffee shop thing and people just couldn't get enough of it. And so we're like standing in the parking lot after they've closed the place down, we're still talking, but what about, Mm -hmm. you know, because we were just so fascinated by how this could possibly work you know the coffee shop place was like vacuuming <laughs> under us I'm like we don't care we'll clear our yeah. own table we're carrying our dishes to the back you know <laughs> and um it was so nice and but it was just I always tell people that sometimes you just have to build it yes and it doesn't mean that you have to build a system with boards of directors no. or or, or that everybody has to pay in it. You just need a couple families that say, no, we'll come no matter mm-hmm. what. And then, and so then you got your core people and then you, the other people kind of come and go depending on whether their kids are interested or it's a good day or what, you know, and that's fine. And so we had our little core group of people that the kids just wanted to play together. Right. They didn't really care what we were setting mm-hmm. up. And, um, but I knew if we set up like science or things like that, that, that other people would come to it. And um, so that's how that started. And then because I knew Helen Hegner, the magazine publisher, and she was really kind of shy. And so um, she asked me after like a year and a half of doing this, she said, will you speak at a graduation in Cordova because I don't want to go. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I'm like, what? They don't want to hear from somebody who has an eight-year-old? <laughs> she's actually, they do. <laughs> and she's just talk about unschooling and how great it is for their kids and how they're ready for the world because they've been in the world and all the things that you say all the time to mm-hmm. people. And, um, and so that started me on this idea that other people need to hear more about this and so I had already started writing a little newsletter that I sent out to people and we built a little website and um, you know I've been writing so I had written originally I think the first thing that I ever wrote about this was um, for a magazine called The Mother Is Me and it was a doula magazine that had gotten bought out and then it I don't know whatever happened to it, but I wrote about where have all the thinking parents gone? Mm. Why do all these parents have all this great thought about preschool and then they shelve it and put their kid in school? Mm. And um, so that was like the beginning of my evolution into this. Mm -hmm. But um, so then I, you know, I met a few other unschoolers and um then our next stop was california after alaska and there are a lot of unschoolers in california 
And so everywhere we went, we'd kind of start groups or participate in the state groups or um, conferences or camping trips or things like that. And that just um, became how we connected with people. Yeah. Well, you said about the organizing, one of the one of the early interactions I had with a parent before I went head on into unschooling my family or my kids mm-hmm. um, was if you plan it, they will come. Yeah. And I'm a serial planner myself and <laughs> had loved putting together activities. And a lot of it was inspired by what my children enjoyed. So if Absolutely. my kid was into Pokemon cards, I organized a Pokemon get together at the local exactly. rec center and boy, did that take off and went crazy and it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was, you know, my daughter enjoyed um, uh, animals. And so we would put together an event that involved animals. So we'd go to a right. local farm or we would ask somebody like there's this one guy who's a naturalist and he has his entire basement. It's like a museum full of right. all these amazing creatures. And so I called him up. I asked him, you know, hey, I'm homeschooling mom. I have two kids. We're really interested. We'd love to share this with the community if you're open for it. He was like, how about you just come by and check it out? So we got a private tour. Nice. Where my kids got to hold like owls and snakes and it was just mm-hmm. so beautiful and amazing. And then we opened it up to the larger group and we had to keep it small because it wasn't on a huge space. But the right. point being that if you pay attention to what your kids enjoy and you mm-hmm. know what they would find amazing and interesting, if you just reach out, people are usually so willing to share their interest with you, especially with young oh, children yeah. that you know, they don't have to be a teacher. They don't have to have some business. They don't, it's just an interest that they have that your kids share. Generally, you will find that people will say yes over and over and over again. And we've had so many beautiful experiences that way. And I will say that speaks more to my personality. Like I'm a little bit more outgoing than some of the other Mm -hmm. people in our homeschool community. And I found Mm -hmm. too, that you had planners and you had participators. So people would come, but they're like, please don't ask me to call and schedule it. Like, I'm just good. Just showing up. Just tell me where, when, what to bring. I'm there. And that's okay too. Like we need that balance, right? Between people Mm -hmm. who will very faithfully show up and participate and those who are willing to take the reins and are comfortable making those plans to organize and to coordinate. Um, You know, my son did a running club. We, you know, my daughter's ridden horses. Like there's just been so much fun stuff that they've done. So I, I guess we can call that, the, you know, the field trips, <laughs> the field trips right. of life. Yeah, uh, I should make a list of all, because I had three really different kids mm-hmm. with three really different interests, and we did a lot of things. That's a great idea, and, yeah, to put it together. People, yeah, would would be inspired by, oh, I didn't think of that. And the other thing to remember as you were talking, I was thinking something for people to realize is you don't have to only hang out with unschoolers. Uh-uh. You can hang out with anybody that wants to. We would sometimes have school kids come. You know, we were just trying to have an activity where there were people that were interested in the topic and the kids wanted to see each other. Right. (laughs) Those are really our only parameters. And um, yeah, and so that that worked. I, I had a friend one time who did back then they called it unit studies a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if they call it that anymore, but, but they were more um, traditional homeschooler. She says, I love having friends who are unschoolers because y'all bring the party. <laughs> <I was laughs> like, what? And she said, you know, we can do Greek studies, 
But when we get ready to have our toga party, we know who to call. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's right. That's funny. And so, yeah. Um, well, and so I, and and you we know, they all merged. Sorry, together. sorry, say that again. Okay. I we all merged together. That's right. In those groups, and it was all right. Yeah. When and I, it, it is about when people do feel stuck as far as thinking that they might not be able to teach their children or do unschooling. <clears throat> They're looking at it from a school model where yeah. you have to segment learning into these different categories and time blocks, right. <coughs> excuse me, where as we found that it was all about the interest and then following mm-hmm. that. And amazingly, so much learning took place, right? Not really amazingly, right. it's, I'm being sarcastic, but it just, Oh, it's fascinating how well, much it learning. It's a little bit amazing because we are condi- <laughs> we are conditioned to believe that you're only going to learn if someone teaches mm-hmm. it to you. Someone with more experience, more knowledge. You're the underling. You're the vessel that needs to be filled. <laughs> exactly, and um, that isn't really how life works. And I think that when people think about how do you learn as an adult, you don't section your day off into seven Mm-mm. topics. You decide, I want to learn how to build a website, and you go YouTube it. And that's how kids learn. That's how this works, is that they learn the way adults learn. And a a lot of times the argument that I'll hear is, but they need the basics. Mm -hmm. If they can't, if they don't have the basics, they can't do the things that Mm -hmm. I can do. And I, and now we have enough data to disprove that simply by, are you kidding me? My seven-year-old grandson can move his way through YouTube faster than a lot of people. (laughs) Um, And his reading skills are minimum. Um, But I think that um, the basics are the basics because they weave through everyday Mm -hmm. life. If they don't, then you don't need it. (laughs) Well, and if we take back, if we peel back the layers to all of that and, and, and even look at it from a historical perspective, that that's a new phenomenon this idea that they need the basics you know it was created when school was created prior to that people did learn living in life by participating in life and picking up those skills now sure there's particular skills and ideas and knowledge that that is is not necessarily something you'll pick up just for living Mm -hmm. there's specific skill sets that people would like to learn from but that's also where you know mentorship comes into play Or like you said, finding the particular topic on YouTube and delving into it. So my son, who is now 19, and he graduated from our homeschool last year, mm-hmm. when he was uh, 14-ish, he had already told me he wanted to build a computer. And so once he started expressing that interest, in my mind, I was like, oh, I'm going to have to hire somebody. I'm going to have to research. I'm going to have to learn. But what he was just telling me was expressing, mom, I'm going to build a computer. It wasn't, mom, I need you to help me build a computer. Right. And so when the time came for him to to purchase all of the pieces that he had been researching and watching videos about and learning, and he just, you know, put it all in his little Amazon cart and we turned 15, he got extra money and he said, bam, and he purchased it all. And to watch him put that computer together was even though we had been un- un- unschooling uh-huh. from the time he was like six years uh-huh. old, it still at that point was like, Stunning. How, do- what? <laughs> how did you do that? Yeah. And if anything, it, it, it within, it was almost like, you know, visually it was like this gigantic red flare that just shot into the sky. It was like, you can get in his way as much as you think you are helping oh him. My gosh. And it's so fascinating because 
as parents, we do have a wonderful skill set that we can share with our kids, but it's not the only skill set that they need. And while we have what things to offer, including the love that we have for our children and the, 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 the investment that we have in them, because we want them to succeed in life and be mm-hmm. happy and joyful and all of those things. If we only think that they need to know what we know, then we are kind of setting them up for failure oh, because we're, we're limited too. Right. They're going to, yeah. Think about the world, how different it is from 10 years ago. And um, how can we possibly know what they're going to need? You know, Mm-mm. there's just no way. And I think too that, well, we, we have fear. And I think it's really interesting that even, even though you had been unschooling all along, that you still thought, I don't have that skill set. I'll need to get him a class. And mm-hmm. because I think sometimes people think I'll do my de-schooling and then I'll be an unschooler. And, right. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't work like that. Um, because not only does it, is it not linear like that, but as you parent kids at different ages, all, you have different triggers. <laughs> you have different mm-hmm. things that are like, oh gosh, now it's this. I, you've never been an unschooling parent to an unschooling 14-year-old. And that's right. That's different. And so you may suddenly have fear that pops up that says, do what's familiar, do what's familiar. And right. um, instead, you've got to kind of hand that little fear a piece of bread and say, Simmer down. Yeah. <laughs> um, let me let me think about this for a second from an unschooling perspective. And talk to other unschoolers because there's just a mm-hmm. lot of ways to help you reframe stuff from the familiar. You know, even the simplest of the couple of Facebook groups, you know, that are like my unschooler is interested in or what my unschooler is learning when, dot dot dot. Um, there's some really great data in there. If you're like, I just need to see that. And I have a membership group that we, we share those kinds of ideas all the time. Somebody's like, I was so mm-hmm. good last month. And this month I'm just eyeing that curriculum. What's the matter with me? And right. like, because you're still in homeschooling groups and that's all they're talking about. And, yeah. and so it is, you know, it, it's fine to have lots of, different approaches um but if you find that you start to doubt or you start to have fear then you need to surround yourself with people that don't have doubts and don't have fears and um you know so i had i had like in 2015 2016 i did this little course for people called chaos to confidence and i was helping that it was like 12 week course about unschooling and at the end of it they were like well, we like getting together every week. Mm-hmm. How, do, how do we keep doing this? I'm like, oh my gosh, it's really hard. Um, but what if we just made a membership? So I have people that have been in my membership since 2016, just because it's nice to have community. That's amazing. You know? yep. It's nice to have people that you can say, my, my husband was fine with it. And now suddenly he's not. Mm-hmm. Or I, um, I don't know how much to nudge them. You know, those kinds of questions. Well, and, that, and you're, you're bringing up a really important point that I've very much experienced personally, but also with people that I've worked with and interacted with over the last, you know, 12, 15 years is mm-hmm. it's that fear. And, and when is it, when is it insight and concern that's 
logical and when is it fear that's based on this idea that was created for you and not from you, yeah. right? So how how do parents parse that out? Because not every bit of questioning that comes up is fear. It is just, right. I'm looking at the world. I'm looking at my family. I'm looking at my child. I'm seeing some things that maybe they might do, it might be better for them if they did A, B, or C. Uh-huh. So where, uh-huh. how, how do you kind of parse that out with families? So what we do, and I have like... Because I'm a writer, I have a million, well, not a million, I have a lot of PDFs that somebody has a question and I'll make a PDF for that. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, that's good. You, you know, and so lots of times what it's, it's exactly like that. How rational is this fear? Yeah. Is it rational or irrational? Mm-hmm. Is it, oh my gosh, if I let this happen, he's going to live under a bridge. Right. <laughs> isn't that what rational. we're all worried about? Like, right. <laughs> all right. Live, live, in the, live in the basement. Except for I don't say that anymore because if you go to Pinterest, there's a lot of really nice basements. There are some fascinating basements. <laughs> yes, there are. Right. I wouldn't run over that either. Uh-huh. Um, but, um, I, you know, we're always afraid we're going to um, create habits or somehow handicap, cripple, cobble to, you know, our kids so they can't be successful. Mm. And we are not that powerful. Gotcha. Is what I really think. I think that we can, we can, if we can give our kids the feelings of, we can figure this out together. You have a parent that is a hundred percent on your side. Mm-hmm. You have a parent that listens to you, that that doesn't roll their eyes at you talking about Pokemon, or doesn't um, have a little tisk tisk about another hour of Minecraft. And when when you have a parent that is on your side, then you can grow and move in the direction you need to go. You know, lots of times. We didn't have, I mean, I, maybe this is a broad brush, but most of the time, my experience for me, for people I know, we had parents that said, be good in school, do what they say. They were not on our side. Mm-hmm. I mean, they did not love us. They loved us. Mm-hmm. But they thought school was the only way we were going to be okay. And so they did everything they could to push us in that schooly way. But what happens with kids is they don't hear our intention. No. They hear, I'm not good enough as is. I must be lazy. What's wrong with me? And why won't she, you know, she doesn't like me when I act like this. And those are not healthy messages to let somebody be brave enough to step out on their own and be and make choices. That's why we have all kinds of problems with kids that go straight from high school to college and they fall apart with that kind of independence. And, or, or we have, we become, we're like in our thirties before we want to read again or something. Mm-hmm. It's because we have been so tightly controlled. And so if we can help, if we can look at our fears and see, okay, could there be another way? Are there kids that have played a lot on their computers and they turned out okay? Yes. And um, when you ask more questions instead of assume that the the standard mainstream answer is right, 
it's often not right. It it might be right in some circumstances, but it's not the only right answer. Mm-hmm. So that was, you know, back in, I don't even know when I wrote, I wrote a book called Homeschooled Teens. Okay. And I interviewed 75 kids from 19 to 39. Wow. <laughs> and, um, and I asked them all the questions that I had heard at conferences, you know, those, those teen panels that pre pandemic, we used to have conferences and there, we would have teenagers come in and they would talk, people could ask questions. Those rooms were packed, but everybody doesn't get to a conference. Mm -hmm. And so I took like 25 questions of how did you learn? Did you have trouble getting into college? How did you make friends? Do you hate your mom? Mm -hmm. (laughs) All the questions that people had and all those kids answered. They were so candid and they're like, you know, it was this. And, um, and so it's really nice to hear other stories because all we hear about from a mainstream world is mainstream answers. Mm -hmm. And so hearing how these other kids lived and turned out fine better than fine you know that they they i mean they had skill sets that were unique to them yeah and that's really a gift to be able to let your kid have and it's not that school kids are are having a horrible life i mean some are and and so that's certainly why I do this coaching stuff is because I want people to know they have options. If it's not working, mm-hmm. you know, let's get out of there. But do um, you have an opportunity to have a fuller, richer life if you have grownups in your life who support your interests mm-hmm. and help you move in that direction, and you don't have to squeeze that into a tiny window after school or on weekends, right? Well, and I th- and I think that yeah. is the beauty of this lifestyle, which is the mm-hmm. way I present it to people when they ask, especially early on, it's more of a lifestyle choice because it's giving us the flexibility and freedom to pursue information and knowledge at a pace that works for us individually, but also gives us the time to really delve yeah. into things. So it's not the right. inch deep mile wide, it's the mile deep, which our children totally take their time to learn something that they love. And the other piece to it, which really was a huge motivating factor for me to not ignore, but kind of let go of my preconceived notions about what school looked like or education looked like. Cause with my background working in classrooms and private, Mm -hmm. private and public schools, you know, I assumed I would take my kids would go to school. That's just what you do. Right. Right. And, but what what struck out struck me mostly being in the classroom setting and working um, with kids through an ADHD clinic that I worked at um, at Duke Medical Center was the mental health aspect of our children is so overlooked in favor of academic right. success and part of being healthy mentally and have well being is having autonomy. And if you don't have any control over your life, there's bound to be some issues that will creep up and or express themselves. If you don't have autonomy, you either rebel or you cave in. Yes. Yes. So there's that element of, okay, fine. I will do what you want me to do. 
Right. But, uh, you know, you'll see something later or right. somebody will just go, oh, well, I don't have any say so and I'm just going to submit. And, you know, of course, right. you have people all over the spectrum. You have the very extremes on either end. And then you have everybody mm-hmm. in the middle who tends to just kind of flow that, you know, right. but it does depend on that home life setting. Right. Like, who do they go home right. to? How are they supported? What does that look like? But when it comes to the choice to unschool or homeschool, while they are missing out on certain things, they are gaining in others. And that kind of leads me to that podcast that you did, which was the, um, I'm going to probably forget the exact name of it, but it was like what my kids never learned in school or maybe what my, oh, yeah. no, what my kids <laughs> never learned. Right. And then right. you had like a, a baker's dozen of a thing, 13 things that your unschooled kids did not learn. And I, if right. you're, if you can remember that, or if you, I'm, I'm pulling it up. While okay, you good. Like, okay, now I have a blank on what it was. <laughs> um, but no, I have it. I have it. Um, I did want to go back to that one thing you asked about how do you overcome the fear? Oh, okay. Yes. And, and one of the things is that you see where your fear is not true. Mm-hmm. See if you can find examples of it isn't valid. Mm -hmm. And so if you say my kid um, is never going to learn anything besides Minecraft and how's that going to help? Okay. Let's look at kids who did a lot of Minecraft. Let's look at the learning that happens in Minecraft. Let's look at the the meta learning Mm -hmm. of what happens when you're supportive of what they like to do. And so you start to tease that apart of the benefits so that the fear come comes from it's just not familiar yeah and and so maybe you want to add some other things i'm not saying i mean for some kids they just really do play minecraft for a very long time multiple days you know mm-hmm. and and then let they stop because then life happens and they're like, I think I'm going to get a job mm-hmm. or I think I want to do this with these other people or the pandemic is over. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, then they have this opportunity to shift. Whereas if we were busy controlling it and molding it, um, they didn't get to resolve it. Instead, it just became a power struggle. And when you have a power struggle, you can end up having them hang on to something longer than they would have because now it's like I just can't bear her I told you so mm-hmm. and um it's almost like so that clutching have... right they hold on to it yeah. because it's like okay because any minute it could go away so I'm gonna hold on to it right you know and and so if you're like no you can come back to this as soon as well let's go take the dog for a walk it's a beautiful day we've had rain let's mm-hmm. go do this when you come back you can get back on yep oh you're a lot more likely to say okay than if you walk in and say you've been on that computer for two hours um, we've got to get outside and what's the matter with you that you don't yeah. like it that it's a sunny day <laughs> and you know all those typical parents I have a I have a guide an unschooling guide about about technology where I have pages of things we might say mm-hmm. <laughs> and how they might interpret it is not how we mean it and so what we could say instead yes or how we could and that's part of unschooling too is that we set the stage for success mm-hmm. that we have to take a minute and think about how can I make this go, go positively? Mm -hmm. And that doesn't, and that might mean lots of things like let's do something immediately after lunch before they get online or before, you know, where we start to create new patterns or after dinner, this is a great time for us to do something else as opposed to saying, 
you've been on there too long. Let's get off of it. Well, and and, and I do think sometimes our the 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 gravitation towards gaming is a low hanging fruit. If right. you have activities planned, or if your kids are involved in actively planning your day or your uh-huh. week, then they have these events that they've created, they've come up with that they are invested in. And if you as a parent are sitting around thinking, oh, well, they'll just plan their day because kids are, you right. know, will create their interest and blah, blah, blah. It's child led learning, yes, but it's also parent supportive environment. Right. And so if you're creating these opportunities to, observe your kids and pick their brains and involve them in their lives, then the, the idea of just video gaming all day is probably going to be few and far between because you have all these other interesting, exciting, intriguing things taking place too. You can be, you know, cooking together. You could be going on outings to see friends or day trips, or there's so many other ways to put in the effort to create a rich environment that doesn't, involve that like you said that back and forth that battle and also i think that that lots of times parents tell themselves they talk to themselves from a mm-hmm. fear base and so they're like all he ever does is that mm-hmm. computer all he ever does is whatever and um oh but when you talk to them more they're like yeah we do go to taekwondo yeah and we, go to- <laughs> and we do have this thing that we go to see grandma every thursday and and we have the library and we have mm-hmm. and so i think that sometimes don't let your fear cloud your vision mm-hmm. well and it's <laughs> that know? awareness piece too yeah. there was there was this funny meme that went around real like a long time ago that i just laughed it just cracked me up because it was a parent getting upset with a child playing watching youtube who was watching um, a other kid play video games or a family. Uh-huh. And the one, mom was like, why are you watching all these people you don't know anything about? And then mom promptly goes into the living room and turns on like a, a house decorating show. Right. right? And it's or like. Soap opera or dad's watching a football game or what's the difference? I know. I know. It's yeah. like humans enjoy watching other humans, period. Right. It's just what we do. But yeah, it is yeah. funny because it's like, okay, if you bring that that piece of awareness to the forefront of what are you doing? How do you spend your time? How are you modeling behavior in your home? Are you on your phone mm-hmm. all day long? Are you interacting mm-hmm. with the computer? And maybe you do need to brainstorm with them about other ideas. Cause a lot of times people get that child led concept and I just don't really like it because it's mm-hmm. not true. It's more partner led. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so maybe you subscribe to that for a little while and so you're like sitting on your hands waiting for your child to unfold beautifully and they're not and they're not planted in the right soil you know right and you're not engaging with them and watering it and and being bringing some cool light they don't know that there's a thing called 365 fun things to do in Austin, Texas They don't, they don't know that. And so look at it with them. Let's go to that Pecan Street Festival. Mm-hmm. Let's, you know, let and, they, and if you have not set the stage of my stuff's more important than your stuff, mm-hmm. if instead it's like we have this huge buffet yes. of stuff, yes. let's try it all. And, and then we'll discover, oh, gosh, I can't stand that mm-hmm. cheese. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you don't get that cheese on your plate anymore. But, you know, you just, you, that's how you pick and choose and try and do. And, and so instead of telling yourself, well, I don't know what to do, 
well, brainstorm. Let's mm-hmm. brainstorm. And um, and sometimes again, having community yeah. that helps you. How did you do it? And how did you um, figure out what your next steps were? Or all my PDFs. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> go go look at those. <laughs> right, right. Okay, so I did pull up this okay. blog post or podcast thing. So, do you want me just to read um, them? Off? Sure. Yeah. Let's just do. Let's just go through them. I, yeah. I could do that. 13 things my unschooled kids never learned. They didn't learn to hate the idea of learning. They didn't learn to wait and wait and wait. They didn't learn how to do the minimum to get the grade. They didn't learn to set aside their interest until the adult in charge decides they can explore on their own. They didn't learn there's only one right answer. They didn't learn to use grades to determine their worth. They didn't learn to make fun of people who didn't conform, seemed a little different, or weren't considered popular. They didn't learn to guard their work from others. They didn't learn that collaborating and working together was cheating. They didn't learn that you can only be friends with kids the same age as you. They didn't learn to distrust the adults or believe that the grown-ups were the enemy. They didn't learn much about bluffing. They didn't learn not to ask questions or appear to not know something. Their curiosity pushed them to want to know more, not just appear smart. They didn't learn to downplay their intelligence to fit in. And they didn't learn the importance of conformity or the mistaken idea that conformity is what leads to success. So I just have, it's no wonder so many of us grow up to be people pleasers. Oh, that's so good, Sue. That's so good. Yeah. It, it really, I mean, there's so much in there. Um, yeah. You know, the grade part, it is, a, as somebody who worked in schools and, and interacted uh-huh. with kids uh-huh. and tutored and, and graded, that was a piece for me that felt so wrong to take somebody's hard effort and their attempt at something that was given to them by somebody else that they had no say so in and then to turn around and tell them you did terrible at this here it's it is do whatever again you know and <laughs> it's just instead of that that the other piece that you mentioned the collaboration part like that is where that's where the gold is when we can come together and use right. all of our well and it is what companies are writing about saying we want kids that can collaborate we want kids that can take take an idea and problem solve and find solutions. We don't want kids to have to be spoon fed everything, you know, not kids. They don't want young adults, new workers, new employees. They want them to be able to um, Mm -hmm. be. Yeah. There was a a list I saw a while back and I I can't pull it up right now, but one thing that does stick out is the, the, that was a list of, of uh, essentially, uh, behaviors that they're looking for in people. Right. You know? I saw that like Google and a couple other places had traits mm-hmm. that they were like, can we have more of this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's even other people who are heads of companies who aren't even necessarily looking at, you know, where you went to college and where you graduated from. It's more like, what are you able to bring to the table? Like just because you have a piece of paper that says you went to here does not necessarily give me a real deep understanding of what your capabilities are. And I do know right. that that whole idea of going to college does signal a particular mindset and a particular ability mm-hmm. that you will work a little bit harder and you can overcome the challenges of these difficult courses and, and all that. But and, and I can understand how that that's tied into it a bit. But when it's said and done, are you able to come into a business or a company and just 
you know, hit the ground running or do you sit and wait for instructions on the regular? Right. Right. Like, so. Well, and also, you know, we've certainly seen that a college degree doesn't necessarily mean you're going to go out there and get a great job. Yeah. No. And, and so I think that, I think we have to also be aware of, maybe there's just my bias. I have a degree. My husband has a master's, you know, my family's all college people. And, um, how much of that is that we have kind of in this capitalistic society that we have told people, this is what you must do. So pay this, pay this, pay this. And it's part of a system really that you're on a conveyor belt from kindergarten to graduate school Mm. and um without a lot of thought you know it used to be when my dad was a kid you did a like a trade route or you did a college route Mm -hmm. and you became the boss only it's not like that anymore you know now people move up in companies because they're really good at what they do or there's way more entrepreneurial opportunities or or you know it, it's it's just not the way it was before and even it may not have even been that way for a long time but I think that we're a lot of times convinced that that's the ticket when Alyssa left high school we the vice principal came running after us and said wait wait you're leaving and she says yeah and she, what are you gonna do and she said well actually I'm gonna go to cosmetology school and, um, you know, I've been coloring people's hair in my backyard mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I, I think I want to do that. And she's like, but Alyssa, you would have been so successful if you'd have just stayed the course. Oh, wow. You would have, you know, it's almost like you could have been somebody. Mm. And she was so, Alyssa was so insulted. Now Alyssa owns her own home, has a business, has employees, mm-hmm. um, because she followed her interest and has she gone back to see that principal? (laughs) No, no, she has not bothered. (laughs) And, um, and I think that, and I remember this is kind of an interesting little segue on this because we were so used to kids following their interests. We just did whatever needed to be done to follow. We lived like school didn't exist. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, Michael has an MBA, Katie has an associate degree, and Alyssa has a cosmetology license. And I remember somebody saying to me, "Um, I love that you are as proud of your daughter with her cosmetology certificate as you are with your kids with degrees. Mm. And it was Mm -hmm. like this wake-up call, and I thought, oh, yeah, the Mm -hmm. world thinks that's not that good. I had forgotten my, my suburban roots where mm-hmm. um, the world thinks that blue collar job is somehow less than. Forget the fact that the plumber makes more than the school teacher. Oh my goodness. Right. You know, and, oh, and yeah. so, but, but oh, he's going to, oh, Alyssa even has people when she first started, cause she started working at 18 and she had people when she was maybe 20 say, well, this is all fine and good now, but what are you going to do later? Where, like, what are you going to be when you grow up? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. when are you going to go back to school to get something to be? And she was like, 
this is my career until I change my mind. I mean, this is how we live. I mean, she didn't say all of this, but she did to me. She goes, well, why that's so weird that people feel so um, emboldened to say, yeah, this is all fine, but what, what are you going to actually do? You're so mm-hmm. smart. Why are you doing this? Well, because mm. you're paying $2,000 for hair extensions. Why wouldn't I do this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, well, and I, I think it's that false advertisement, too, of what college can yeah. offer you. It's not it's not a, a, a you know, surefire direct path to a corporate right. job where you're able to really impact the company. And when you're an entrepreneur, or at least you find that niche area that does speak to you, makes you want to get up every day. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. where you feel like you can make an impact. That's right. where life has meaning. And under discussed are those licensed type jobs where you do not have to go to college. You don't need a four-year degree right. to become a yoga instructor, but my God, you love yoga. And right. boy, could you do a lot of work in the community exactly. with your yoga certificate that takes what, eight months to mm-hmm, do possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, and same with, you know, so many other different. And isn't it how interesting. And maybe now that I, now that somebody said that to me and I, and I'm hearing you, how are, are, we have that little twinge in our head that says, mm, yeah, mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, they didn't, I didn't have that twinge at all before until somebody said that. And I'm like, Oh, I forget. This is what a lot of people who have not had a whole unschooling road before this, that they're still on that track where they think, um, yeah, but I want more for them. Mm -hmm. Wait, what, what do you think is more? What do you, what do you really think is more? What are you following their interests, making the money they need to live? Um, what would be more? Mm-hmm. When it is about redefining what success is exactly. because we have a one size fits all success bubble and it's not the case. And like you said, the whole idea of this blue collar versus college, you know, this need to compare and contrast. Mm-hmm. I mean, our society would not function without blue collar workers. Right. And those are vital human beings for how our, our world works. Mm-hmm. And we, there is even, um, quite a bit of evidence to say that we're we're in trouble in that department because we've pushed college so so soundly and hardly and hard we've for- convinced people that it's less than to choose a yes. different path mm-hmm. and yeah and then have you do you follow mike rowe at all his <laughs> he's the dirty jobs guy yeah. he has a whole thing about right like trying to help people reimagine what what blue collar work is and what it what kind of a career you can make out of it what it does for society and um and and I appreciate people like him being able to speak out in that regards because, you know, people like we do with podcasting and having conversations. The more people bring that to the forefront, the more people recognize that it's there are other options, right? And and that's okay. And at the end of the day, what truly matters is: Are you excited about getting up right. and going to do what you're doing? Right. Do you feel like you're contributing to society in a meaningful way? Those are the questions that I want my children to be able to answer for themselves with a resounding yes. Mm -hmm. And whatever that looks like for them, then I am a hundred percent sold. Um, and with my oldest, we, um, he's doing a, um, he's doing a community college. He did the dual enrollment thing where Uh he did community college while he was in like, you know, his 11th grade year, 12th grade year. And he determined 
around um, 16, 17, that he wanted to do a diploma for simulation and game development. Mm -hmm. And so we sat down, we looked at the whole curriculum and the plan. And as he's done it now for the last couple of years, he's getting close to being finished. He decided he also wanted to simultaneously go ahead and do an associate's degree. Now, whether or not he'll take that associate's degree in the further and go to four year is still yet to be seen because what I've hoped that of all the things is to recognize that there is no rush, right? Like this idea that you have to go from bam, 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 like these, you know, skip to the next stone immediately after the last one you jumped off of is not necessary. You can stay on a stone for a while right? and you can look around and you can in- interact with the environment. You can dip your toe in the water. I think it's interesting too, because don't we kind of, as humans, we don't like that. I don't know what to do phase. Mm. And so we hurry up to get to college because I don't want to sit in this, I don't know what to do Mm -hmm. phase. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, and even though getting to college doesn't really solve it, it just pushes it off and costs you a lot. And I'm not saying don't get college degrees because I've, you know, we do that, but, but don't do it unless you have a reason. Right. To. Like Michael didn't, he had always said, I'm not going to go to college. What do I need that for? And I was like, mm, don't say that. To yeah. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and then he, he went to, he was a exchange student and went to Japan mm. and he came back and he said, you know what I want to do? I'm like, why? Cause I want to be in the Peace Corps. I'm like, oh, oh, interesting. Because I met this guy on the plane, and and you know he was having this different experience, and and he, and then he comes in and goes, guess what? Peace Corps requires a degree, so oh. you're gonna have to help me figure out how to get that. <laughs> and he did, and he he took the um, assessment test, and he you know had to worked his way through that, and then took community college. Only took the classes that. Um, that could transfer to the local university so that he wasn't, you know, Mm -hmm. he had everything was like really clearly laid out. And then he got a degree of all things. He got it in journalism because he thought maybe I'll be a travel writer. This kid that had the ceremonial breaking of the pencils. Right. Wow. What a full circle moment, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so he got his degree. He was magna cum laude. And it was because he goes, I don't understand why people don't think this is interesting. (laughs) Because he was 19 and 20 as opposed, I'm like, they haven't had it crammed down their throat for years. Mm -hmm. That's why they don't think it's interesting. It got turned into drudgery versus excitement. And And so he got his degree, had fun at college. He was a radio DJ. He, you know, he did river cleanup. We learned to scuba dive so they could do that. He just like engaged in life, Yeah, you know, because that's how he was raised. But, um, he got a degree because he needed it mm-hmm. to do the thing that he wanted. And he did go off into the Peace Corps and went to Nicaragua. And, How long did um, he do that for? Um, two years. Okay. Wow. That's amazing. It's a, it's a two year gig. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, yeah, that was an experience. And now he, he just got a job at a software company and he, because of his Spanish, which I had never taught him Spanish. I don't know Spanish. But he had learned it to do his Nicaraguan thing. He'd taken some Spanish in college as his um, um, foreign language, but nothing like immersion to really mm-hmm. have to learn it. And so he got he got this job because of his Spanish speaking. And so now he does risk management on a 
for companies like Toyota and whether they need to get certain software programs that this company in Dallas makes. And he primarily deals with the accounts from Mexico. See, and how in the world could you have ever predicted that? I know. I <laughs> That's what. No possible Yeah, there's way. just no way to predict that sort of niche right. space that he is able to fill. Yeah, and I, people say, well, don't you think they need a foreign language? Well, if they need it, they'll get it. And I had just had that conversation with my daughter the other day. I took uh, German in college. <laughs> I could speak no German mm-hmm. at all, like yeah. not even a little bit. I know. And that know. was a waste of a year and a half in my mind. I mean, sure, I was able to interact and do the things uh-huh. I needed to do in the classroom setting, but I never went to anywhere mm-hmm. where there were German mm-hmm. speakers. And it it was, um, right. it's just that box to check. And that's an unnecessary thing for us to be doing on a regular basis, particularly if we're spending a ton of money right. for it. Now, would that money have been better served to send me on a trip to Germany? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, well, so we're, right? uh, just before we wrap up, I wanted to see if there's, yeah. um, you know, like something that people might be surprised to know about you, like any interesting talents or interests or such hobbies. An, I'm such an open book. <laughs> um, my, my only, uh, you know, I have a grandson that I hang out with a lot whenever I can. Aww. And so we have Friday night sleepovers. And we, um, I did, oh, this is interesting that I don't think I've told too many people. We moved into, we sold our five bedroom house and moved into an over 55 apartment building where there's an elevator and I'm on the fifth floor and I can see out far and it's like, I'm living this city life. How about that? (laughs) And, um, and there's a, person that cooks for us downstairs and there's a gym on the third floor and I'm actually the youngest person here but that's awesome (laughs) but I want people to consider thinking about and again it's that kind of misconceived ideas of what it's about this is a beautiful apartment and it's not but over, you know, we think over 55, well, then that's like nursing home. And I remember telling my husband that, are moving me to the nursing home? <laughs> and, um, and, but no, I have really good Wi-Fi. <laughs> and I run my business just fine. They have a hot tub that I don't have to clean. Yes. They have um, all this kind of stuff. So that's an interesting thing people don't know. That's why. Yeah, that's, um, that's neat. I mean, I've yeah. always seen those and wondered, you know, what that would be like by the time. I get to that point and I'm 50. So, I mean, it's not like I'm that far off. You're not. And so one of the interesting things is that a lot of times people don't consider it until they're really old and then they don't really, um, it's hard. They don't get to utilize it. To get out, to crowbar ourselves out of that Mm -hmm. house. And, um, but we didn't need all those rooms. We didn't need all that space we have a little pond behind the apartment building that we walk the dogs around that's great and and it's only five minutes for my grandson so that's Mm -hmm. good (laughs) yeah simplify right so you can really focus on the things that you want to focus on that's wonderful Right, because if somebody gets sick or something happens when you get older you don't have the bandwidth to do that get out of your big Mm -hmm. house you know so why not do it while everything's going well and you can make your choices and do the things you want to do again you know we don't we don't talk about this kind of stuff mm-hmm. we don't talk about what do we do when the kids are gone what do we do for ourselves what do we do um you know 
the kids move out and you still maybe have 30 more years. <laughs> you Absolutely. Know, what are you going to do? And, I don't know. Let's figure yeah. it out. <laughs> I think that's a great point to make. And, you know, maybe we just need to have a second podcast and talk about right. that. <laughs> right. Well, you've got a 19 year old. You're like on the cusp of it. <laughs> yeah. My, my he's 19 and then my daughter's 15. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and she's funny. She's like, I am not going to be an only child. He cannot move out. <laughs> I know that was, what my, that was when my younger one went to school was that Katie went off to New York and Michael went off to the Peace Corps. And she's like, this is not what I was expecting. You know, it used to be, we would mm-hmm. have Michael's heavy metal playing Katie's Broadway show tunes. And then Alyssa's yeah. Britney Spears and the house just reverberated, you know, and I then bet. it was like, okay, it's kind of quiet. <laughs> right. It does. It changes. Yeah. It changes significantly. That's why I love watching these younger families raising their yeah. kids now. And I'm so happy to be able to help them navigate this world because they are in such an amazing, bright, busy, you know, chaotic. Yes. But it is a time unlike any other. So and many opportunities. I, yeah. Yeah. So many opportunities. Our kids are like little sponges. Right. Their family is just bustling with ideas and energy. And I, I just want them to be able to embrace it and love right. it. Um, and because now that we have this opportunity to look back on those times and see what we were able to do and that feeling is uh, it's, exactly. it's a powerful feeling. Exactly. Yeah. So, so here we are any... still creating community, <laughs> still doing it no matter what, because it's be in our does. cereal plant. Been our serial planner selves. <laughs> so is is there anything you would like to offer to people as sort of a closing for, you know, support or something yeah. to keep into mind as they're navigating these waters of either homeschooling, unschooling, or even transitioning from school to homeschooling? Right. I think um, go over my unschoolingmomtomom.com website has a bazillion things for you because it's been there for a long time. I've been doing this for 25 years where I've been writing and sharing and talking. And and so there is a lot of information because I think that success comes from a couple of things. You need the information and you need support and you need Mm -hmm. to take a little action on your part. (laughs) I think that third part is often overlooked because we can spend a long time procrastinating and, and just, I need to read a little more first. I need, you know, you just need to step forward. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. um, so I would say you don't have to do this alone. There are just like, we try to find out how our kids learn best. How do you learn best? Do you learn best with a course? Okay. Do you learn best with around other people? Okay. Do you learn best where you can read something late at night? You know, I I have all these different ways. Do you learn best by listening like to podcasts or watching videos or things like that? I have all kinds of things that can help you get more comfortable with this unconventional approach that will help you have more connection with your family. And, and it won't be, you won't have doors closed. You know, we're always afraid that we're going to doors will close if we choose something different. Oh, that's not Mm -hmm. really true. More Mm -hmm. more doors open. So I think that, you know, overcome your fear, go ahead and step out anyway. You're you're not going to get to a place where you have no fear. (laughs) Yeah. Growth doesn't happen in, in, in safety. No, not at all. And so just remember, um, I, you, you only have one life 
And so you want to live it. You want to have great experiences. You want to not um, be over, make your decisions from a fearful place. You want to just learn to ride with fear in the fear in the passenger seat, not in the driver's seat. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that that might be a good visual for you. Don't, don't think, oh, everybody else has no fear. It's just me. Mm -mm, everybody has fear. We just do it anyway. Thank you for listening today. I would love to get your insights. Did you learn something new? Did this conversation calm any fears you may have? Did it help you sort through your own self-talk or worry about homeschooling, unschooling, or transitioning from school to home? You're welcome to send me a message through Instagram, which is where I spend most of my time these days. Um, my, my Instagram page is let em go barefoot at let em go barefoot, or you may email me at let em go barefoot at protonmail.com. As always, stay curious, stay connected, and stay aware. Until next time.